Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. everybody and welcome to Black Hole Cinema. We are back with a vengeance, or maybe not with a vengeance, that suggests we've been, you know, um, angry and on a crusade to kill people, which we haven't. That's not what we've been doing. We've just had a break over the summer to um, recharge our batteries, do other things. We, as in me, Tony Black, um, curator and host this week of Black Hole Cinema, and with me, the two co-hosts of the show, Mr Dan Taylor... Hello, it's good to be back. And Lady Judy Hench, a.k.a. Emma Dame Platt. Judy Hench. Dame, Dame Judy Dame. Hench. Dame. And this is why like, we have to call her these things, because she gets angry very quickly I at do. things. She does. Have we had a nice summer? It's all right. <laughs> <Didn't do much. laughs> I've spent the whole thing working. Uh, we bought uh, a new cinema on the 26th of June, so I was... Uh, well, we've been working very hard this summer to get that up and running and uh, running the way we want it to. Um, I finished there on in the end of September, so it's been a long old slog. Um, and then potentially, I'm off to Furso, which is uh, just north of Inverness. Way! <laughs> no, uh, really? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, basically, my job now is to, to go and like open these these new buy, uh, these new cinemas that we we take on. So wherever they are in the world. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd really like one in Madrid or Barcelona or something, you know, exotic. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, no, all the places. one of the coldest places in the country, and it's never been warmer than 24 degrees, which is, what, room temperature, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Next stop, Reykjavik, and yeah. onwards north. Yeah, you'll be up the wall before you know it, but that's, uh, that's, that's good. And Emma, you had a chilled summer? I had surgery, didn't I? So I've literally spent all summer in bed. Ah. So that wasn't fun. You told me I'd be back on my feet in four days and it's been four weeks and I'm still just like, ah, no. So that's fun. That's fun. And I've got more surgery to have. So super fun. Are you sure you're not just milking this so you can watch a lot of Netflix? Do you know what? I haven't even watched any Netflix. I've literally just slept and bitched most of the time, which is really no different than usual. <laughs> and I had to sort of go back to uni and 
We had a busy time. I'd been moving Sorting house. Out life. <laughs> yes, life stuff. I'd been moving house and going mm. on to weddings and uh, nice stuff. All good, all nice stuff. Don't get me wrong, but just busy, just very, very busy. So it makes you feel old, doesn't it? Weddings and, and stuff like that. You suddenly realise you're an adult. <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult. I had I had three on the bounce, three weddings in three weeks. It was like yeah. an endurance test, and they were all in different parts of the country. There was one. Lincolnshire, then one in Kent, and then one in Wiltshire. So <laughs> it was crazy times. But uh, I've only ever been to three weddings. One was my own, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't count surely as, as in terms yeah. of guests going to a wedding. I did go to. I went <laughs> to one wedding this summer. I know I did go to one this summer, and I was kind of like, why would someone assume I've got something to wear for a wedding? And then I was like, oh, because I'm nearly thirty, and people start to get married now. Like, I was really, like, quite annoyed that I had to buy something new to go to a wedding. I was going to say, you didn't just go in your hospital gown or anything. No, but I was going to go in my old wedding dress. <laughs> oh, that would have been wonderfully ironic. Just just being like, well, you know, if you're wearing one, I'm going to wear one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've we've been busy, but we're back. And this is our summer special, just to hack into quite a busy summer, really, of all the, uh, the blockbuster season movies that have been out. Although... I don't really know whether it, it can be really labelled as blockbuster season anymore because it doesn't really work that way anymore, does it? You get tentpole yeah. massive releases all over the year now. So it's not like the summers of old where it would be all the big blockbuster massive movies and then the rest of the year is all these little pottering indies. It's all changed. I, yeah, I actually think the money's actually so far been taken before the summer, pretty much. Mm. Um, you know, the biggest releases of the year kind of were, came around like... February, March, April time, which is very unusual. Um, obviously, your Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Fast Furious Seven, mm. Aven- Avengers, obviously. So yeah, it was actually the earlier months, really, this year. I've not, I've not actually looked at the uh, the overall figures for the year. I don't know where we are at the moment um, um, in terms of. I'm looking at them now, just for what we've got so far. Mm. Um, like this Jurassic World number one, you've got Avengers: Age of Ultron, Furious Seven, Inside Out, Minions, then Cinderella. Which was like that was February, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah February. February. Yeah. Then yeah. Pitch Perfect Two, Mission Impossible, Home. Is that the the little cartoon? Ah, yeah, um, that was March. Yeah, that's number nine so far. I'm on a box office mojo. Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. SpongeBob the movie, San Andreas, Fury Road, Straight Outta Compton, Divergent series, Insurgent, Kingsman, Spy, Trainwreck, and Tomorrowland. Are these America? Yeah. Are these American that's ones? I think worldwide. This is <clears throat> worldwide, yeah. So really, um, the, the only the only massive one this summer really has been Jurassic World. If you, well, that was, yes. Again, that's before the summer, really. It's before the kids well, broke up. It was June. Yeah. Yeah, it, it falls before what was considered blockbuster season, I guess, wasn't it, really? Mm. It, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it doesn't work the same way anymore. Yeah. But In the UK, it's uh, Jurassic World, Avengers, Minions, Furious 7, Inside Out, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Home, Cinderella, The Theory of Everything, and Big Hero Six, uh, which make up the top ten. Mission Impossible just missing out. So actually, it's really only Mission Impossible um, which misses out on the UK box office, and obviously the, on the American side, it, it just makes it in. So otherwise, it's just Inside Out. It's just the kids' film really that both sides of the pond mm. you know breaks quite dramatically into that top ten. Everything else so far. Unusually, it's earlier on. Well, that's uh, that's a good place to start then, really, because we're going to go by um, order of 
of date. So we last recorded our podcast and released it on uh, July the 23rd, and we covered Ant-Man primarily, which was just before um, the cut-off when we went off on holiday. On July 24th, the weekend of, first big release was Pixar's Inside Out. I'm Joy. This is Sadness. That's Anger. What? This is Disgust. Uh, and that's Fear. Ah! We're Riley's Emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take your back, Joy. Joy. Joy, no. Let's Wait. Go. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. <laughs> now, I'm not sure. I, Emma, you've definitely seen this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, me and Freddie went to see it. And... It's, um, I mean, I know everyone's probably seen the trailers, and it's about this little girl called Riley and her emotions, and it's, um, I really enjoyed Inside Out. I think Pixar films have got a depth to them that mm. DreamWorks lacks. Like, mm. kind of, it's, I don't know, there's just, like, little things all the way through the film that I was like, oh, I want to see more of that. Um, there was a bit when Joy, who was voiced by Amy Poehler? Hair and sadness are like stuck somewhere else in Riley's mind, and they see these mind workers taking a memory of a jingle from a commercial and sending it up to like head office, basically. <laughs> and like Angus, like no, not this again. And it was little things like that that kind of flesh the movie out a lot. And compared to like the Minions movie, there was a lot in it for like the story was enough to hold my attention. But it was bright and colourful enough that Freddie was really fascinated with it. And the show beforehand, Lava, I've been singing that song all summer. That is one of the best shorts I've seen. Yeah, I I really sweet. really enjoyed this. I I think it's one of those I could watch it a few times and still find something different in it. Uh, there was just quite a lot to it. I just, I really enjoyed it. It was it was kind of sweet and it was kind of funny and it was kind of sad and it's it's everything you expect of a Pixar film. And I think the last couple of films they've made haven't really been up to what I expect of them. Like Monsters no. University was was okay. Cars two. Mm, no, brain was all right, that. but I haven't really, I haven't really, really enjoyed a Pixar film since like probably Up. Yeah, Up. So yeah, I've, this, I've I really, say, really enjoyed this. I wouldn't say it's as good as Up. I think Up for me was quite a special film. Now, however, I will admit that in the in the closing parts of the film, I was choking up a little bit. It was good, <laughs> which yeah. Up had you know Up practically had me crying within the first ten minutes. That opening ten minutes of Up is incredible, um, and this one, but it it's great. It, Pixar are brilliant in the way they're able to kind of you know, as Emma said, hold the attention of the adults. And actually, adults actually enjoying the film probably just as much, if not more, um, than the kids that are accompanying. And it, it's also what it says about society and because uh, there's, there's little kind of um, pokes at kind of San Francisco and about, um, you know, there's jokes about... Uh, kind of how uh, preppy it is and um, you've got the bro- broccoli on pizza and, and stuff like that and how they're <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, kind of talking about um, how it's kind of trying to become more trendy and cool and trying to do things a bit like kind of quirky and you know stuff like that which is which kids wouldn't necessarily pick up on and think anything of but obviously as adults we go oh yeah that's, that's, that's funny <laughs> um, 
and, and obviously what it says about um, kind of relationships as well, the kind of the relationship between the mum and the dad, and obviously we get a, a little brief look inside their heads as well, and kind of what their uh, kind of emotions are, are saying about one another, about, you know, oh, he's not paying attention <laughs> again, and kind of him going, uh, the, the dad kind of realising, oh, shit, I'm supposed to, you know, kind of chime in here. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know it's, it's very funny how they are able to actually get quite deep but no, yeah, it was, it was a good film. It was solid. Certainly, the strongest kids' film of the year, and it's exactly what you would expect from Pixar. I think I don't think it quite hit the same emotional chord as as the Toy Stories or Op depth for me. I think yeah, there were okay. there were moments like with um, uh, the Invisible Friend. What was his name? Bing Bong. Bing Bong. That's it. it. That was that was very sad and quite sweet when when she had to leave him behind and everything like that. But I think. It didn't quite connect with me in that way, but I think what really impressed me more than anything else was the, the, the and we've you've touched on this a little bit already the depth of cre- creativity involved and the not just like in terms of the kind of things it's talking about and the kind of you know ideas that it's putting across about growing up and growing old and you know going from being a child to a teenager and all this, but the depth of thought in the how they presented that you know with all all the worlds within her mind. Mm. And you know all the constructs that make up like the islands of the island of personality. That's personality, or, yeah. Mm. It, I mean, it, they're, they're, it's a, amazing. I mean, that to create that level of of world building was phenomenal. And it, so, I think in, in terms of that, I think it's the most. I think it's the cleverest Pixar film, without a shadow of a doubt, they've ever done. I mm. don't think it's quite but, the most emotional, but I think it's the cleverest. But do you not think that? When you talk about it, you know, it's not the same as, like, Toy Do you not think that you've got a different, like, kind of connection to Toy Story? Because, obviously, the first one came out so long ago when we were all a lot younger. So it's got, like, a kind of different meaning, I think. I mean, I when I watched Toy Story 3, I wasn't... I remember everyone going on about how sad it was. I just kind of didn't feel that emotional connection to it anymore. But when I saw Up, especially, like, you know, everyone says the first 10 minutes are just, like, the worst 10 minutes ever. But... That hit me in a different way because, you know, being, like, a growing up and, like, when when I watched Up, I was going through a lot of stuff with trying to have a baby and that, the, what they showed on screen in those few seconds really hit me quite hard. So that affected me on a different level than, like, Toy Story and, you know, like, losing your childhood and things like that. But I kind of mm. think... And I think that's something Pixar does really well because me being back then, you know, I was, like, 23 years old... And a, a cartoon film being able to make me sob my eyes out, there was something that was so grown up and so personal. That when you th- think about how they can get you like that. But I think Inside Out, it was kind of like when especially when she was Bing Bong, it, it reminded me a little bit of well, my childhood's kind of gone. Do you know, and I've left all these stories because it came out like nineteen eighty five. So we were all a lot it, we kind of like I think it's nostalgia sometimes for things like that. Yeah, I think so. I think for me, though, I mean, I didn't watch the Toy Stories until I was an adult, so I, I never saw them at the cinema. Weirdly enough, mm. but I th- so I didn't I didn't quite have that same that same feeling with it. But I, I think you're right. I think it will depend on your age, definitely. There'll, there'll be a lot of young kids who think that Inside Out is the is their favourite Pixar and is the Pixar that means the most to them. And I think the fact that it can do that at, at different ages is really important, and it. You know, and it, it just it just does more and says more 
than than almost all other live action films. Really, it's mm. it, every Pixar film can do more, manages to do more, and say more about the human condition and about childhood and all these things than most other real life films can, uh, live action films can. So no, it was it was extremely good, extremely good. I think it's in like my top three Pixar films, definitely. Like I really. Mm. I really enjoyed it, and I came. It was one of the films I came out and I spoke to like my boyfriend about it. Like it was like when I went to see Minions, I was like, oh, "Shit, and that was it." But I was like, "Oh, and this mm. happens sometimes." And then, oh, and there's this little bit here. Like it was one of those. It was like it just it looked. It's just like the way the characters were designed. Like they were a bit like like fuzzy around the edges and stuff. It's the little things like that that really set Pixar apart from all the other crap that we see churns out all the time. And obviously, I I notice it because Freddie watches any animated shit that they shove in Sky, like, <laughs> and he'll watch it over and over and over again. And you can really tell the difference in what Pixar put out and what someone else puts out. And I think other studios really need to up their game if they want to keep up with Pixar, especially now it's Pixar Disney, you know, and they've mm. got Disney behind them because it's. I think the only thing from DreamWorks I've really enjoyed has been How to Train Your Dragon. Like mm. nothing else yeah. is ever nothing else touches Pixar, and I kind of think, what are the studio? Why can't they see that it's the fact that they make it so? It's it's everyone who watches it. There's something in there for them. Like I think that's what other films really miss. It's like you said, Tony. It's about this world building that no one else seems mm. to do. Yeah, I would I would definitely even if you haven't got kids, just go watch this. It's just it's nice. It's, it's nice to watch a film that's not people getting their heads chopped off. It's got, a, it's got a, yeah, funnily enough, because I went with my, my girlfriend up for her birthday, actually. It was a Monday, it was on her birthday. And it, she one of the things she said is that it, it's got a really, really good message for children. A really positive mm. message about, you know, about how how people should behave and how they should see the world. And, and I, I agree. I think it's a very, very good film for that because it will give a lot of positivity to kids when, you know, when a lot of everything around them is all negative. So I think it's, it's a very good film, a very important film for kids to see. Also on July 24th was released uh, a much smaller film starring a much bigger star, um, which was uh, Maggie. Dad, you've protected me all my life. Now it's my turn to protect you. There is life with you, not with me. Don't come looking for me. I'm safe. I'm fine. Mr. Vogel. someone with this type of infection. Maggie was about a teenage girl in the Midwest who becomes infected by an outbreak of a disease that slowly turns basically the population into kind of cannibalistic zombies, but it's a very slow process. Um, it's not the typical um, kind of quickfire zombie turns that we see in you know in the in the Walking Dead or World War Z or anything like that. Um, it's, it's you know it's a very slow burn. It's over a, you know a number of days. They basically die um and they lose their humanity and 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 become um you know this cannibalistic animal that 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 we know and the whole film itself is is very not uh, slow and i don't mean that as a criticism 
and it is quite intimate and it's about the relationship between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Abigail Breslin who plays his on-screen daughter um, who, who becomes infected and it's about the decision that ultimately he's got to make you know he knows what is happening to her and he knows that soon he is going to have to to you know to put her down effectively and it's you know it's about the the intimacy of their relationship and about you know it's not you know it's not about hordes of zombies coming past their house and you know we don't even mm. see how she becomes necessarily infected it's kind of suggested it through kind of flashbacks but you know we don't get this big gory um kind of sequence where you know she's we physically see her um become infected it's kind of it's, that's not what the film's about and it's it's almost not about zombieism at all it's, it's it's not about that it is simply about the relationship between these two characters and um, you know, you know, I won't spoil the ending, but it's it, that kind of personifies it. It's it's about their relationship. Um, that you know, even this illness can't drive them apart. You know, where it, where you know, in some in some cases, you know, you'd be terrified. Um, you know, to know this is happening to somebody you love, you 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 could potentially push them away. But you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is completely in love with her. You know, he's his everything um you know he even potentially loses his 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 on-screen wife over it uh jolie richardson um who's kind of famous for nip tuck among other things but um mm. basically she, she leaves at a, a point during the film because she can't handle what's happening um it's, it's not her daughter that is um abigail breslin's stepmother um but she can't handle you know she, she loves her, her stepdaughter not maybe as much as 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 you know Arnie's character, but but she has obviously this affection for her as well. You know she's been a stepmother and you know the mother figure for her for for a number of years. You know we don't never see her actual you know biological mum. So, so she has this love for her as well, but she can't handle um, what's happening and, and leaves. You know whereas it is Arnie sticks it out and, until the very end. And if you want to see something different, if you want to see something that's not a typical zombie movie, which is kind of actually what I originally went into it. I thought, oh, I was a zombie movie. I love zombie movies. You know, I'm a big fan of like, the Walking Dead series. So, but it, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting at all, but that's that's not a bad thing. It makes a, an interesting change, doesn't it, in a in a world of, you know, things like World War Z and, and like you say, The Walking Dead and now Fear the Walking Dead and all these things to have something mm. that's that's a bit, a bit of a different approach. And, you know, with someone like Arnie in as well, I mean, that is... He gives a very good performance. You know, he, you forget with Arnie that actually he... He can act, you know. He, he's, he's not all, you know. I'll be back and uh, catchphrases and action sequences. You know, he, yeah. you know, he is an actor underneath it all, and you know, he's, he's it's limited. You know, <laughs> you know, he, he can be impressive, and you know, um, Abigail Breslin as well. Um, um, I remember him, her in Little Miss Sunshine. I think she was uh, in Back Along. Um, so to kind of see her, you know, pretty much all grown up, um, it's nice to see. And you know, she's very, very good in, in the role as well. Yeah, I remember her in Signs going back mm, the time. Yeah, that's a long time. She was time. very little. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's uh, that's one potentially to check out when it hits the uh, the online on demand. Moving on, we're back to the uh, the more the much more blockbustery, and this is probably the the biggest blockbuster realistically of the of this summer period. July thirty mm. first saw the release of the fifth Impossible Mission, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. The IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. 
specialist without equal immune to any countermeasures. But it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now, I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard, he was tracking the syndicate. How come the CIA has never discovered any intel regarding the syndicate? Do you want the polite answer or the truth? We've never met before, right? Now, this one, obviously, love him or hate him, Tom Cruise. I, I quite like him, actually. <laughs> I, 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 he's, he's, you know, he's completely bonkers. Mm. Um and what he talks about per- personally is absolute bobbins, but you know he's <laughs> he's uh, he's he's good. He's good in this role. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I've never been a big Cruise fan. You know, I find him irritating, and um, you know, a, a lot of the films that you know I see him in, I go, this would be so much better without Tom Cruise. <laughs> mm. um, and um, and that, I would argue that, that the first three. Mission Impossible films aren't great films. They're okay, but you know they're they're alongside you, you know big mammoths like you know the, the Bourne series and, and the Bond franchise, obviously, which were releasing very similar but better material back in the nineties and early two thousands. But you know, I personally think they turned the corner with with Ghost Protocol, and then this one is is even better. You know, they've done a really good job at kind of creating team IMF as it were and not just using it as a as an opportunity for Tom Cruise to showboat how daring he is because you know obviously we know he does pretty much all his own stunts so yeah, he's mental he's, <laughs> yeah, he's mental. A, he'd like the plane you know that you know that takes yeah. off we see it in the trailer and obviously you know in the, in the film he's actually physically being strapped to the side of a plane it's just crazy well, they were talking they were talking about that, that i mean it, that the biggest one of the biggest shocks of that film is that that's in the first 5 minutes oh yeah i yeah. I, I, fu- I fully thought from the trailers that was that was your climax mm, i was yeah. really surprised pleasantly surprised to find that was at the very beginning hell of a way to open the film and they were talking about how he was at such a velocity and at such a speed that if a if a piece of like of stone had hit him it would have been at the equivalent of a bullet and he would mm. have died yeah, you know, I mean, he, even even with certain safety equipment, I mean, he's he's proper mad, you know, quite brave as well. But I'll take issue on one point there. I I I, I think the only weak Mission Impossible film is Mission Impossible Two, which was directed by John Woo, where yeah. basically they tried to make um, Ethan Hunt into a, 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 a quite a wanky American James Bond, really, mm. um, spliced with Hong Kong action cinema, and it didn't work. And it was you know it was it was a very subpar kind of sequel. The first one. You talk about the team element, and that is something that Rogue Nation has. It really brings that all together and kind of coalesces the first, well, all the films, really. There's, there's, throughout Rogue Nation, there are references to pretty much every single f- of the last four films. Yeah. But the first one was all about inverting the idea, you know, the 60s idea of this Mission Impossible Force who are masters of disguise, can do all these things. The idea was that it, fl- it inverted the whole thing. So you had the, the, the head of the IMF team be the villain, obviously. And I personally think that's a really sort of interesting quite underrated thriller the first one it's my still my favorite actually but the second one like i said rubbish on the whole the third one was basically alias the movie you know it really mm-hmm. if you've seen alias the tv show it really was that i mean it even began in exactly the same way as the, the alias alias pilot mm-hmm. so and, and it had touched on very very similar themes about you know a spy having to lie to the woman he loves to protect her from what she re- what she really does and what he really does and a villain who's got a massive MacGuffin that you never quite know what it is. 
Mission Impossible 3 isn't perfect but it's it's very good in places and Philip the late Philip Seymour Hoffman is fucking mm-hmm. terrifying as a villain he's really good because he's so callous yeah. so that one I've, I've really got a lot of time for the fourth one is really good after a bit of a wobbly first 20 minutes where it's a bit it drags a little bit it really kicks in then and it's got some fantastic sequences and Ghost Protocol is really the one that sets the tone for Rogue Nation mm. and tees it up really in fact I rewatched Ghost Protocol after this and at the very end there's a direct reference to the syndicate who are the villains in this film yeah. so you could they were literally teeing this up from then and you didn't really quite realise until afterwards but I think what Rogue Nation does very well is it really it, even though Tom Cruise headlines it it does feel like an ensemble mm. In many ways, you know, Simon Pegg gets a lot to do. Rebecca Ferguson as, as Ilsa, who's the the femme fatale. Is she a villain? Is she a good guy? Good girl? She's fantastic. Yeah, she she, she steals the film, and she's bursts out of nowhere as a star of the future. And it's just it's got a really you can tell Christopher McQuarrie wrote and directed this because it's got that same twisty turny sense of narrative in mm. that it really does have the most complicated story without being too dense really I think the only thing with it and it's got some fantastic action sequences the whole sequence involving the, the, the going the op- underwater into that yeah. um, into that tank where they have to go and get that data disc is superbly done mm, I, think the, the, I think the whole opera house sequence yes, is quite that spectacular too. as well that too it, they're, they're really well they're put together <laughs> like a Swiss watch but I think you can you can only see the join in the final climax because they had to they reshot that originally the way it was scripted was a, was something very different and I think it was much more of an action beat mm. but they, they thought that didn't work so they went they, they shut down production for a, a few weeks and then they went back and retooled it and it's got one of those endings that is it's not completely let's explain the plot like I saw in the world's end when I watched that recently which was awful for that it just explained the whole plot at the end and talks the villain to mm. death but this has that whole let's explain what's going on while also doing a bit of a switcheroo and a twisty thing and it it's good it's quite clever even if it makes the villain a bit dumb but it's it just doesn't quite connect i don't think with the rest of the film so that was that was for me where it just fell down a little bit but on the whole really well done i go back to kind of um what you you know you, you said about the the first and the, the third one being good films i'm not saying they they weren't good films but mm. but arguably they weren't doing anything really that Bond and Bourne weren't already doing better, and you know I, I you know I argue it in the the article that that I wrote for, for for the site that that it's the ensemble that makes now this franchise stand out and make it different, um, and it works so well with you know the likes of Simon Pegg and, and Jeremy Renner who become so recognisable for for other roles even, mm, mm. Um, and it, it takes. The spotlight off Tom Cruise slightly. For, so for those that don't necessarily like him, they can enjoy it a little bit more. Whereas the first three films were just him showboating um, and showing off, and, and it, you know the first film practically is just him solo because you know spoiler alert: the team obviously is disbanded and um, basically pretty much all killed off. Um, and these last two films has set up this team really really nicely um that it's almost it's it's almost a bit more like you know spooks or um um kind of those kind of ensemble type tv shows where it's it's, it's about a team kind of doing missions and being spies and stuff it's not just about mm. that one character but obviously at the end of the day it's still all about Ethan Hunt wins 
Well, I think ultimately what will happen is when Tom Cruise does get a bit too old for this, and I think he's got he's definitely got one more in him, and he possibly two mm. if they film them relatively swift because he's like what fifty fifty one. Yeah. He's got a couple more in him, I think, because he's for his age he's ridiculously in good shape. But no, uh, he's definitely got a couple of of more films in him, and I think that once he does bow out they will reboot the franchise and I, I, I personally think that they, they will go back to the original the original team from the 60s which is people like Jim Phelps Barney Collier Rollin Hand all the original 60s characters a lot of whom you, we've not seen in the, in the movies because they they mm. reinvented the whole thing I think you will find that they will go back to that and someone like George Clooney as an old Jim Phelps would be great as the lead guy so I, I think fully that's what they'll do. I don't think all these characters will go on with with Jeremy Renner in the lead or nothing like that. I think it will reboot without Tom Cruise. But I think Road Nation is really, really good entertainment, and it, you know it, it tees it up for for a potentially really cool, really good sixth and seventh films. It's built up now. This franchise is consistently good at what it does, mm, and it's yeah. it's got its ducks in a row. And I think it's I think it can go from strength to strength. Really, its weakness is losing its women. Um, not holding on to them in the same way it's been able to hold on to the men. You know, Ving Rhames has been, you know, along, alongside Tom Cruise practically all the way through, with the exception of Ghost Protocol. And um, obviously, Simon Pegg now is on his third film, and Jeremy Renner on his second. Um, yet, other than Michelle Monaghan popping up for a cameo at the end of Ghost Protocol, obviously, no no other woman has actually appeared more than in more than one film. No, I think I think that's a good point, but I think what, one of the big problems they've done is they haven't really cast particularly engaging you know leading why that ladies. Is. Go on. Can't let them near Tom Cruise because he'll Scientology them with his eyes and marry them. <laughs> and his scary, yeah. scary Scientology babies who will take yeah. over the world. Yeah, maybe that, maybe they do one film and they're like, no, it's fine. He won't be as bad as they say he is. And then they're like, no, no, he's and fucking he, nuts. <laughs> Keep him the fuck away from me, like seriously. With yeah, his, if, he's if, got like, oh, no, I just can't even deal with it. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm upset. Yeah. If well, Rebecca from... Ferguson doesn't come back for the next film, you know we're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, because they would be mad not to bring her back. So yeah, that was um, that was a good blockbuster. Um, moving on to August the seventh, and um, two less successful ones. In fact, these are probably the two big duds of the of the year of of the well, one of them especially of the year. Let's start with one you particularly didn't like, Dan, which was mm. uh, Pixels. Incoming! Donkey Kong. The only way to take down Pac-Man is with ghosts. You want ghosts? These are your ghosts. Oh, yeah! We're the only ones who can do this! I'm kidding. We are all gonna die. Yeah, Pixels... (laughs) (laughs) Pixels has potentially an excellent premise. And it should be good fun and, you know, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and fucking Peter Dinklage. It, you know, it has all the makings to be a great film. Who's fucking uh, Peter Dinklage? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucked up film, Dan. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's even got Sean Bean in um, for, for like... Does know, he die? 
and Michelle Monaghan is, is sitting there wondering what the hell she's doing. Um, I think I don't think she's built up quite a strong enough reputation to not take this film, but she's capable of so much better. You know, she was great in Source Code, and yeah, she, she was you know you know good in Mission Impossible Three. Um, and you know, there's a number of other films that, she, that she's been in that I, you know, really liked her, and I've, all, I've always really liked her. Kiss Kiss um, Bang Bang. She was, she was. Yeah, was yeah. That. But you know, you, you, <laughs> you just wonder what she, what the hell she was thinking when she signed up to do this. So it can only be that um, she was paid. paid well. yeah. yeah, she was paid a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's one that will be uh, quickly forgotten. Um, one that isn't going to be so quickly forgotten though is the uh, the next one which is a, a surprise I think to a lot of people in how poor this was the reboot of Fantastic Four Dr. Storm we gave you six years and millions of dollars and you gave us nothing what's different now Reed Richards he wills answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet this is our chance to learn more about our planet and maybe even save it. I want you to meet my daughter, Sue. You want to be famous? I just want my work to make a difference. John, read. This guy doesn't take orders well. Yeah, especially from people who say, I don't take orders well. Don't let any of these lab coats give you any crap, all right? Well, if I do, I know who to call. The muscle. I gotta say, it's fun having you here. Really? No. Now, Emma, I know you, you haven't seen this yet, have you? When I was on last time, I was saying how I knew it was going to be shit. I just knew it was going to be shit. Because whenever they go in and reshoot stuff, you kind of already got a bad feeling about it. Mm. And I was like, I'll watch it anyway because I love Marvel and I love superhero films and I really like the, the original two Fantastic Four films. But then the reviews started coming out and they were so, so bad. And I had the opportunity to go see it and I was like, I'd rather just stay in and take my painkillers and be in pain than go to the pictures and see Because... I kind of don't want to see it and admit how bad it, it really is. I don't know. It, it kind of... I don't understand why it's so hard to get the Fantastic Four right. I mean, it's an ensemble. They've done it with Avengers, so why can't they do it with this? Mm-hmm. It's already made ensemble. I don't, I don't understand, and it pisses me off. And the cast seemed really good. I mean, the cast is a lot better than last time, but, you know, different rounders. <laughs> well, what, with this one, what's interesting is that it, it, nobody quite knows yet who's who's responsible for what ultimately this is. It's not a good film. It's not a terrible, terrible film. It's not one of those films mm. that's so bad it makes you want to bleed, right? Yeah. Or or it's so bad in fact that you need to watch it and enjoy it, right? But yeah. well, that's that's the thing is everyone's like, oh, it's one of the you know, it's it's the fourth worst film of all time. No, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. It's not even the worst. A comic book movie ever, like no. you know, for fuck's sake, Halle Berry's Catwoman was atrocious. Yeah, you know, it, it's not that's an that. awful film. Yeah. yeah, it is. That it's not nearly as bad as anything like that, right? It, the, the problem is it, it's painfully average, and that, that, yes. that if anything, that's worse. I'd rather watch something horrid like Catwoman because at least you can go, oh my god. With this, yeah. I was I was sitting there going, oh, I'm just so bored. It, it's just it just doesn't work at mm. all. I mean, it, it's it's amazing how much it doesn't work. Really, it's just a bit upsetting. If anything else, you know, you're just like, oh, Kate Murray is so much better than this. Like, you know, sort your fucking wig out and you know, start acting. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, but, <laughs> but there's well, there's two things with that. Two things with that. A, he didn't want to cast her, Josh Trank, who directed it. No, right? he didn't. He didn't want Kate Mara, and apparently, he treated her like 
crap all the way through, right? Yeah, she looked miserable, didn't she? Right, yeah. <laughs> B, um, if you believe the stories, B, the wig is a consequence of the fact that they basically reshot the, heart, the, the entire ending. And the ending is just the first, the, the first like half or at least of the film is this sort of much darker build towards, you know, and, and you know, the ideas in it are quite good, you know, using like parallel dimension where, where they get their powers and, and exploring like, you know, this kind of grungy tech that Reed Richards has created and, and all this. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's one bit particularly that betrays the fact that Josh, Josh Trank wanted to make a Cronenberg style body horror film as a superhero movie. And there's mm. a couple of sequences where that, that does happen. There's one where they, they, they first come back and Reed is stretched out and you've got Johnny Storm on, on fire, and it's, it's it's quite unnerving. And it, you think, oh, yeah. this is, and it's a better. That's a better film. Problem is that when you get to the end and Victor Von Doom unleashes himself as the villain, it's just it's just your classic kind of superhero bollocks, and, and not mm. very well done superhero bollocks. And yeah. you get, and you're thinking, well, well, how did this happen? And the reason it happened is they, they, well, who knows, right? They got they, they got a makeshift team. To, they, you know, I think I think it was Matthew Vaughan was one of them. So basically, there was a, a Fox called upon three, you know, their directors that are on their payroll, basically, to come, you know, hash together some second half of the film. And it's bloody obvious when it happens as well, because the style and tone completely mm. change. Um, and um, it just it just doesn't work. And what Josh Trank was doing, you know, whether, you know, I've, I've heard some people say and, and that... It, you know, working in cinema, you, you get mixed reviews from it. That people go, "Oh, yeah, the first hour of the film was really boring. Nothing really happens." But for me, that was so much better. There was a lot more going on. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's all the you know, mindless gun-toting kind of bang bang Michael Bay loving um, idiots that, that you know loved the second half. I say loved. That's a strong word, but you know, preferred. Yeah. Shall we say the second half of the film, which was just utter crap. For example, you know, you've got you know, Ben Grimm for one, you know, one moment of bloody hates, you know, <laughs> his guts, and then all of a sudden, two seconds later, they're best mates again, yeah. and you know, they're joking about Fantastic Four, you know, jokes, and it's just, <laughs> it's just not good. And... Well, I think what what's tainted it really is is the, all the behind the scenes stuff of how you know apparently Josh Trank was kicked off, and then there's there's people who are saying that no, he 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 was involved in the cut, and he had. You know, ultimately, has to take full responsibility for this. Mm. You know, you've you've then got the whole thing of you know, did did all the were all the actors properly cast? I, for me, the only the only one who was who was cast well was Michael B. Jordan. I th- I think every all the rest were miscast to a various degree. Jamie Bell was okay, but I think Miles yeah. Teller's just not right for Reed Richards. He doesn't have that leading man charisma yet. Right, he's a good actor. I'm not taking nothing away from his acting. Whiplash proved that, but he's not got that. He's just mm. a bit too smug. You want to punch his face in, and that's not. What you need from Reed, Kate Mara is just a bit dull, really, as an actress. A sister would have been much better. And then when you get to the very end, and without spoiling anything, the end is them all lined up, ready for a sequel, where they're all going, "We're fantastic," and you're thinking, "Well, mm. no, you're not, because a, this film isn't fantastic, and b, I don't believe you believe this in the first no. place." And no. it, it just, it, you were sitting there, I was sitting there thinking, this is just, you know this doesn't work, I know this doesn't work, let's all be honest about this, let's stop pretending, right? <laughs> I was like, stop pretending, all right, we know this hasn't worked, we know it's a failure, give it back to Marvel for goodness yes. sake. Do you, re- do you reckon there's some, um, you know, potential Marvel Disney deal on the horizon? Because that, that building at the end looks suspiciously like the same building that the Avengers are currently using. <laughs> I think, I think, I think there's, there's too much raw 
nerve at this point mm. right now. I think there's, there's just too much, too many wounds that yeah. are open. They're still being yeah. bullish and saying we're going to do a sequel. We believe in this. We they're, they're basically just trying to save face. The, mm-hmm. the, the reality is that that whole sequel thing will quietly die off, right? Yeah. And well, then, then in a couple it, of years, yeah. they will they will make a deal or they will just let the rights revert very quietly. Yeah. And you know, I will believe the sequel when I see it. Just Fox are just very stubborn. You know, there's a lot of kind of rumors that they just made this film just for the sake of it. They actually didn't care how bad or you know um, you know rushed it was. It actually was, and it's part of the reason Josh Trank was kind of hired in the first place. You know, the fact that actually they just didn't want to lose the rights. Yeah, um, I think there's truth in that. I, th- I would imagine there's a lot of truth in that. Um, they they don't they didn't want to lose face and admit that you know because somebody needs to needs to get this right. The, a, a friend of mine who I used to in fact be one of my ha- a housemate, um, he's a, a burgeoning TV writer and he and he said that the best way to do this would be to make it a mar- a, a Netflix Marvel show and have mm-hmm. it a, a very sort of you know Doctor Who style bright and breezy family adventure show with the Fantastic Four and make it a TV series and I, I think he's spot on. I think that would be much much better. And they'd be able to get this tonally right instead of it being. I know a lot of people retrospectively have said they liked the first first two Fantastic Fours. I still don't. But no, I, think I don't. Tonally, I think they're more what what it should be. Definitely, I think mm. it's more in line with. And I'm not an expert by any means, but I think it's more in line with what they what it should be. Dark Fantastic Four. Yeah, I know they've done that in the comics, but it's like when you try and darken Spider Man. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't work in the same way. The new Spider-Man will be really good because he's he's just going to be a, a, a mouthy little kit. That is what that is why it will probably be the best one, I think. Yeah, the thing is, is obviously, you know, there there are people, as I already said, that are being overly harsh on it. You know, it's not the worst film of all time. No. Um, and um, you know, to to say that is incredibly insulting to the people that are involved because they know it's not they know it's not good but they know it's they also know it's not that bad at the end of the day this was partly made with you know the the obsession with that's kind of come along since christopher nolan's batman films is that everything's got to now be dark and gritty and serious and it won't work and won't be a proper film unless it is, you know, because if, you, if, you, if it's too light and fluffy like the originals were, then, you know, it's going to get panned by critics. And unfortunately, they did the opposite and exactly that still happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it's a shame, but let's yeah. let's wait and see what happens with this one. I think eventually it will quietly go back to Marvel and, and they will integrate it well or do it right, whatever. Let's move on. Dan, you've got the, um, the box office figures, haven't you, for... Uh for the summer because this is it will look very different from where we were last mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I do. Uh, This is August 28th uh, to the 30th in the UK. Uh, number 10 uh, is a, a little-known film called 45 Years, uh, which is very popular with the uh, grey audience. Um, I would like it, to see that, though, because that's yeah. got some good actors, Tom Courtney, it, Charlotte Rampley. Yes, yeah, some very, very good actors in it. It will be good, that. Um, basically, short, long story short, basically about uh, you know the kind of challenges of marriage and um, about this, this couple that have reached 45 years of, 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 of marriage and, and about their struggles and, and about their relationship, etc., and where they kind of go from there. Uh, it's, it's, it's a new release uh, last weekend, um, so number 10, taken just under half a million pounds, which isn't bad. Uh, number 9, it's been around for 10 weeks now. It's uh, DreamWorks Minions. Uh, which still took £353,000, and it's taken a total of £45 million in the UK alone, which is incredible. Number eight, review coming up a bit shortly, Paper Towns with Cara Devine in in the cast, uh, a little teen rom-com, taken uh, £3.5 million um, in overall. Seven is the horror sequel that uh, no one really wanted to see, uh, Sinister 2. I don't think is, anyone did see it, did they? Uh, no, no, but it, it, did, it did take just over half a million pounds <coughs> um, in its uh, second week, so taking about oh, 2.5 okay. million overall, so not too shabby, because uh, as are most horror films, I suspect it was made on a shoestring. Number six, uh, a review also coming up for this one, The Man from Uncle. Hey! Um, which has taken just over five million now in its third week. Um, no doubt we'll hang around for a few more weeks yet. Uh, we've just absolutely ripped it apart. Uh, Adam Sandler's Pixels is at the number Boo. five. That one, believe it or not, is actually up one place um, on last week. So for some reason, Pixels and Man from Uncle have switched. I can only imagine that is kind of last of the summer holiday uh, rush. Uh, all the kids going, what the hell can we take the kids to now? Well, there's this little-known film called Pixels that you yeah. can go see. At number four, we've reviewed it earlier, um, to much high praise, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation hey. took just under 900,000 in its fifth week, so taking a total of £18 million pounds in the Not UK. Bad. Number three, review coming up, uh, it was new out that weekend, it was Hitman Agent 47. I believe it took just under a million pounds, but this is week one, so you'd expect it to at least take a million, or you would hope it would anyway. Drop like a stone. It will. Um, and number two, Pixar's Inside Out, which we uh, unanimously uh, loved. Yeah. Uh, over £33 million in week six. That will probably hang around throughout September, mm. probably October. If it's, anything like, if it's anything like Minions, it'll probably still be there at bloody Christmas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and at number one, We've got a written review coming up with it from uh, Mr. Matt Latham. It's Straight Outta Compton, uh, which took £2.5 million in week one. So that's the box office top ten. It will, Straight Outta Compton will um, 
has done a very good business in America, and it will. Mm. Uh, I'm not surprised. It, it makes a lot of sense, as as we say. Um, Matt Latham has done a um, a written review of that for us. He uh, couldn't be here today. He's um, he's busy. He's done a written review, which is which is good. He'll be giving his thoughts. That will be going live on the Black Hole Online blog um, very shortly. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Okay, moving slightly back then from that was the current box office. Um, we're going to go back in time and talk about uh, August 14th. So we're right uh, smack bang in the middle now. And that week, the big release was The Man from Uncle. Are they still following us? Yes. Is there one of them? Hmm? Is he looking at us? Mm-hmm. Does he have just one hand on the steering wheel? Mm-hmm. When you hear something that sounds like a gunshot, drive. So, yeah, this was an adaptation of the six, 1960s TV show which starred Robert Vaughan and uh, David McCallum a bit forgotten really it's it's not really been on much on like ITV2 not as much as The Saint and you know things like that and The Avengers which are much better remembered but it was quite a fun idea it was you know it's the height of the Cold War an agent of America of an American intelligence agency and an agent of the KGB have to come together to work for a bigger sort of multi spanning agency called Uncle to fight you know, some bonkers stuff. The TV show had them fighting robots and all kinds of mad shit. But uh, it was, it was from what I saw as a kid, it was fun. And this, this is fun. It's one of those films, The Man from Uncle, that is deep as a puddle. It's classic Guy Ritchie in that it's all style, sleekness, charm, cheekiness. But it's, it's enjoyable. You know, it's fun. It's, um, it's a good ride. It's a, and and it, it surprised me because. I don't particularly find Henry Cavill much of an actor. I he didn't he hasn't convinced me of Superman yet particularly. I don't I find him quite dull, quite dull. Army Hammer. I, I before this I didn't really. I know he's a decent actor, but I never quite got him either. But they were they were really good in this. Cavill as Napoleon Solo, who's the you know the charming, stylish American. <laughs> based, uh, yeah. Napoleon Solo. What? <laughs> No, no, yeah, no, that's his name. Napoleon Solo. Yeah. This was before the days of Han Solo. And only yeah. in Hollywood do they uh, cast a Brit as an American and an American right. as a Russian. Well, yeah, it's it's a bit mad, but he but he's really good, Cavill, because he's basically playing James Bond in the sixties, just mm. American. He really is. It's that whole that literally at one point a, a, a chambermaid comes in. In, in his posh hotel in, in wherever in Rome and says could they is there anything else I can do for you and he looks over his paper and goes what time do you finish <laughs> it's that kind of thing it's that classic that's horrible she, I know and she just she just closes the door then and stays with it it's, it's just it's, it's uh. just that it's not as sleazy as I'm making it sound. It's actually quite funny. And that kind of old James Bond kind of, can I help you, Mr. Bond? And he's like, well, I'm sure I can think of something. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's done very much with a wink and a nod. And you, then Army Hammer is, is the opposite because he's, he's the very taciturn, angry, serious beast of a Russian. He finds things very important. And then you've got Solo just being, you know, Ilya Kuryakin, his name is. And he's just there going, hey, man, just chill out. Have a martini. And he's like, 
no, we, I cannot, I cannot, I have, I have mission and all that. So it's quite funny because they're, they're butting heads all the way through because they're complete opposites. And in the middle, you've got Alicia Vikander, who's this quite tomboyish, but obviously very cute, love interest, mm. sort of just, she's, she's also the plot MacGuffin, really. Mm. Um, I, I will just say about Vikander, she is really standing out as an incredible actress. She's got, I think, such a bright future ahead of her. You know, from from Ex Machina earlier on in the year yes. to uh, Danish Girl, Danish, yeah, uh, the Danish girl. which the Danish Girl with uh, Eddie Redmayne and and, and her, herself, um, which the trailer kind of uh, dropped earlier on in the week. And that's incredible. That is incredible. And uh, you know, she, I hope she's at least bloody nominated for an Academy Award because um, she's had a fantastic start. Because she's come from nowhere, completely out yeah. of it. She's she's got a lot of promise. She's she's being quite canny with what she's choosing. She's also been mm. born five. She's in the next born film. Yeah. She's been she's being quite clever with what she does. And you know, she's getting that balance right. And she's perfectly good in this. Now mm. in, in a, she's working her socks off. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's in everything. She's doing really well. And then you've got um an actress called Elizabeth Debicki, who I wasn't familiar with before, as playing the villainess. Um and she's like this evil British contessa who's like rich and, and she's great because she's just She's really sort of ice maiden cold, and some of the lines like she at one point she she ends up seducing Solo, and then she has him captured because the, the whole story don't worry about the story the story's bobbins it's all like you know old Nazis trying to do nuclear weapons and all this don't worry about that they don't care about the story don't, you don't have to worry either but at one point they cap they capture Solo and she's there. And she goes, um, I've got to go. And she says, I'm so sorry, I can't finish you off myself. And it's things like, it's little lines like that, where you're just going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's just really funny. And then it, it just, it's very much Guy Ritchie in that it knows how silly it is. It knows how winky it is to, like, bond of old and old spy capers, like, you know, Am and Flint and all this kind of stuff. And it just enjoys. It, it, it's having fun, and you have fun with it. It, it's a bit baggy it's a bit too long the mm. plot isn't much there isn't much of a plot really but it doesn't matter because you're having fun with the characters and uh, it, I think Cavill and, and Hammer I hope they do a sequel I imagine they will it tees up perfectly for a sequel and it's yeah it's just a laugh it's a good laugh and it's 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 not the best film of the summer but it's definitely one I'd recommend next up Dan you uh, you saw another that week absolutely anything by the power invested in me by the Intergalactic Council, I hereby pronounce a destruction order on the planet Earth. The usual test, Skylink. One Earthling will be picked at random. To prove he can use absolute power for good. But if he uses it for evil, the Earth will be eliminated. Suppose there was one thing you could do that would change your life for the better. Oh, that's easy. I would be able to see Catherine from downstairs. <laughs> I can make things happen. Clothes? Get dressed on me. All I have to do is wave my hand. Dennis, be able to speak. Biscuits. What? Biscuits. Please, please, please. Nothing else matters. Come to think of it, I wouldn't mind shagging your leg right now. Yes, uh, the final film for Robin Williams. He plays the voice of Dennis the dog alongside the, the beautiful Kate Beckinsale and uh, uh, Simon Pegg. Um, it's a very short little film, 85 minutes um, overall. Uh, you've also got the uh, voices of the, the guys from Monty Python playing the uh, intelligent uh, alien life force um, that basically uh, test the human race, you know, whether they survive or not, by giving Simon Pegg's character, I'm trying to forget a thing of his name now, Neil, uh, Neil Clark, basically they give him the power of anything. Uh, so with a wave of his hand, anything will happen. 
Um, so, you know, give me the body of a, of a good man, and it turns into Albert Einstein, obviously. Um, yeah. and, and then um, it's, you know, it's, it's all little gags about that where, you know, if he's not specific enough, then something he you know, doesn't want to happen happens. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a chuckle. Um, it's, it's not like kind of, you know, laugh, laugh your belly off the, your ribs hurt afterwards. You know, but it, it, it's silly. It knows exactly what it is. You know, it doesn't pretend it's intelligent or, you know, thought-provoking. It just kind of is what it is. You know, foresight, Robin Williams probably would have liked to have been remembered for, for a more impressive final film. Um, but, but, you know, if you want something light and, you know, that you can just go along and laugh to, then it, it's perfectly fine for that. It's, it's not thought-provoking it, it, in the way that it perhaps could have been. But, you know, Simon Pegg puts in kind of a delightfully British performance and, um, as I said, Kate Beckinsale was just, you know, stunning in it. And, um, you know, the... the yeah. There's, there's some nice little, you know, kind of pop-ups and cameos and uh, from, a, you know, a big kind of familiar British cast. Um, Eddie Izzard, Joanna Lumley pops up. And as I said, obviously, the the voices of Monty Python, John Cleese, etc. Um, Mira Seihol pops up a couple of times. Michael Palin. You know, it's, it's you know, full of, 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 you know, familiar faces that Brits um, are going to be able to identify well, it's by Terry Jones, isn't it? Terry Jones yeah. is the director, so it's it's Python, in, you know, yes. at its heart. It's Python at its heart. Yeah, kind of. It, it's, uh, uh, the kind of critics have kind of uh, kind of said it's, it's perhaps a Monty Python sketch that's a little bit too long. But uh, yeah. you know, as it's, it runs at like eighty-five minutes, you know, it's, it's banging. You're out. You know, it's shorter than most kids' films nowadays. Um, so yeah. if you just want, you know, you've got a spare hour and a half, just go along and just 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 have a little laugh. Fair enough. Speaking of laughs, the week after was uh, a comedy, which August twenty first, which saw um, uh, the rising star of Amy Schumer appear in uh, Trainwreck. Girls, your mother and I are getting divorced. Monogamy isn't realistic. Monogamy isn't realistic. Again. Monogamy isn't realistic. I didn't understand that word at the time. But now I know exactly what he was talking about. Saturday, I would love it if you were my date. I can't do that because, like, you and I won't ever see each other again. I wake up today every morning, money just cooling, I'm still yawning. Good morning. Oh, Amy. What happened? The church let out early? Ooh, I like Tom's sweater. Does he teach computer in a church basement? Don't get all threatened just because you don't understand the concept of marriage. You dress him like that so nobody else wants to have sex with him. That's cool. Hey! Now, you saw this one, Emma, didn't you? Yeah. So, Amy Schumer plays Amy, who is... Uh, inventive, inventive. So, so clever. She is the aforementioned train wreck, and she drinks, and she sleeps around, and she's basically... She's doing all the things men do, but it's trying to, obviously... She's, you know... How sexist! <laughs> do you, know, you know, you know what it's trying to do straight away. Like she's, it's trying to take away that kind of, I think, slut shaming element that comes across when a woman is in film and she sleeps around and she drinks a lot. And John Cena's in it because obviously I watch him every week on the wrestling. And his character was so different. I think it loses a bit of itself about when she like gets into the relationship with Bill Hader it kind of loses its way and then it turns into like a really typical rom-com like she changes her ways for the man she loves and and all that kind of thing and i was i think i would have enjoyed it more if if the relationship hadn't worked and it kind of been like some people aren't meant to be in a relationship some people 
you don't have to be in a relationship to be happy and not everyone needs fixing and I, I kind of don't feel like they set out to kind of end it in that way or to tell that kind of story but that's what definitely came across for me like something happens and they, they break up and she does something and then like her sister's like you have to change your ways so she like gets rid of all her booze and she starts working really hard and I was a bit like well why why did she have to do that I understand it's called train wreck and stuff but I kind of felt like it just went back to the age-old thing of oh no man's gonna want you if you've if you've had this past no man's ever gonna want you do you know, do you know yeah you know? It, it, it I, was, seems... I was really kind of disappointed in it in that way because mm. i like i said i would prefer it if she had sat bill hayes down and just gone do you know what but i can't be in a relationship it doesn't work for me i know what works for me and that's okay i thought that would have been not more empowering but just more interesting and yeah. i just i didn't i didn't like how it ended but then obviously i didn't i knew how it was going to end i think anyone mm. knows how it's going to end but it is really funny it is just a bit where, like, she's, like, John Cena's kind of breaking up with her, and she's just going, I'm so high right now, I can't deal with this, can we talk about it later? And he's just like, no. And he's, like, fighting with some guy in the cinema, but he keeps making, like, really, he keeps insulting him in a homosexual way. He's like, I'm going to lick your asshole. It's like, <laughs> instead of, like, saying, I'm going to take you outside, I'm going to bat you, he goes, I'll lick your asshole. <laughs> it, was, like, <laughs> it, is, it is funny, I would say, like, the first hour was really funny, and, but, she, like Amy Schumer, you can kind of tell they've gone for the whole like bridesmaid kind of thing, and you know the whole like kiss and wig and Melissa McCarthy kind of what they've got going on. But I don't know, it, it kind of did lose its way. And mm. I know like bridesmaid, she ended up with um, Chris O'Dowd in the end. But I just I would have liked it to not end it the same way as every other fucking rom com I've ever seen in my entire life. Just watch it for John Cena. He's in it for like the first forty-five minutes. And I was just like, "You, you're not John Cena. You're not the guy that my son absolutely loves every week, saying those dirty things." <laughs> so, but yeah, it's 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 just it kind of loses its way. But I think it's a good star for Amy Schumer in like films and stuff. But yeah, disappointing in the end. And it's, it's funny you say that she- because of how um, you know kind of. Uh, controversial she's been it does seem like what you're saying about the fact that it almost doesn't seem like the film that she maybe wanted to make yeah. um, more the ending that you kind of suggested is perhaps more what she was going for and it might even be what they originally wrote and then you know the kind of perhaps the network stepped in and go no you yeah. can't do that they've got they've got to, they've got to have their happy ending that's how films yeah. end you know kind of i mean yeah. that's I what the audience want <laughs> yeah i don't want to turn into this big like you know, this debate on, like, how women are portrayed in films and all that, because that kind of shit doesn't really interest me to a certain extent. Anyway, but I just... I find the way romance is portrayed, I mean, heterosexual romance, it's just the same shit all the time. Mm. And some... Rela- like, the majority of relationships, okay, you get together and it's all lovey-dovey, and then you kind of settle into this really mundane routine. Like, every it happens to everyone. It's the same with Mike. I'm not saying... I'll relationship's boring if you listen i'm not but you know how like you kind of get into these little habits like i know like mike's gonna come see me so many days a week and once a month we'll go here and we'll do this but that that's just how it is that's kind of like that's how you want your relationship to be i think Mm. that's when you know you've got it together yeah but every rom-com is like lovey-dovey boring 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 drama god no quick catch her she's on an airplane propose yay marriage she's converted <laughs> i don't know anyone that ha- like seriously i swear to god if mike proposed to me on top of like the eiffel tower or something i'd push him off <laughs> Wait, or, la- the- or laugh probably pl- i probably would probably both, both. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
But where's the wrong come for like the, not every girl's like that. Not every girl wants to be in a relationship. Not every girl wants some guy to. I find it really uncomfortable to be like showered with gifts and affection, and I'm just like, oh no, no, it's it's okay, it's cool. I, like, where's the rom com for people like me? Because there's more of us. Oh, yeah, I think no, it's no. kind of outdated in the fact that actually yeah. it's now the opposite way around. More women are like as you're explaining, and I think that the the kind of old kind of. Bridget Jones that wants her, you know, feet swept away and, and, and you know, wants to be shared with gifts and, and adored and worshipped. That, that's very old-fashioned. You know, and I don't think most women think like that, particularly young women don't think like that these in, days. In a, in a weird way, I think more men associate with, with this, oddly enough. I think you, yeah. you, you find there's a lot... There's a lot of um, women. I mean, you know, my, my girlfriend's exactly the same. She doesn't like fuss. She doesn't like constant soppiness. You know, she's she's exactly the same. And it's it's I th- I think there's there's an issue. There's a thing with with this, with you know these wrong. This is Judd Apatow. You know, Judd mm. Apatow. It, he most most of the time he caves to the to the you know the saccharine in the end. You know, he he gives in, especially in his more recent films. You know, he, the edge is definitely gone from him. Um, mm. He gives in in the end, and he gives people ha- happy endings. So, I think that's that's part of the problem, really. And yeah, I think the, the gender stereotypes of it are, are very clear. And obviously, it was tainted, wasn't it, about because of the um, the shootings that happened in America yeah. in a showing yeah. of Trainwreck. So, but oh, not that that is a reflection on the film in any way. But it just seems a little bit slightly misconceived. I kind of feel like a lot of other genres are evolving. Like we talk about, like we talked about the Man from Uncle before in uh, Mission Impossible and the new Bond and Bourne. Like the spy genre has evolved, and yeah. you know, horror is constantly evolving and shit like that. And action's evolving, and rom com is the fucking same as it's always been. It's just yeah. the same formula and. Mm-hmm. Like you said, gender roles have evolved since the 1950s. Women just don't say women just don't want to get married anymore. But that's all we're seeing, like constantly, all the time. And they'll be trying to make women career women, but it's always like that's an issue. Oh, baby, mm. you work so much. Oh, well, I'll sacrifice my career to keep you happy. Like, and I don't know if this is the same in films where you know you have a homosexual couple. Like, is is it that the same dynamic that they portray all the time, or is just is it just this? And why is it just this? It's it's boring as fuck. Yeah. It really is. It's just so frustrating. Like it, it's it's mm. 2015 now. Relationships aren't the same anymore. Mm. And even uh, when you've got like friends with benefits with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis, they end up they end up getting together. And there's going to be a film probably next year about a couple who meet on Tinder and end up getting married, despite all <laughs> the fact that she's swiped right and all the, like. Dating is evolving and relationships are evolving, but yeah. movies aren't evolving yeah. to reflect that at all. Okay. And, and I ain't, I'm not watching another one. I'm never watching another fucking one ever again until I write it myself and it'll be fucking <laughs> <laughs> I actually think um, men are the, are the more... Um are more geared towards commitment now than ever before you know i, I you know I, i've got a lot of female friends um so i'm, I'm not i'm still not going to pretend i understand women because i do not <laughs> but i i do feel like it's, it's actually the men that want the commitment now it, it's women that want to go you know all, all my female friends that you know i don't think any of them are, one is in a relationship all the rest of them are, you know they're traveling the world and you know they're you know banging on with their career and and all that i've actually got one friend who's kind of the old-fashioned she's settled down she you know, she met him when she was 17 18 and they've been together for years and then it, now they you know they settled down bought an apartment bought a house got engaged 
got married. She's now just qualified to become a teacher. Um, and no doubt they'll have a baby in no time. That's the kind of old-fashioned kind of way of, you know, how we view relationships. And that's how rom-coms are still kind mm. of painting it, as it were. But that's not the women that I know. It's not It's not the women I know either. Like, also, I've, I've got, like, two female friends. That's it. One of them is in a relationship. The other's recently single. And I don't think either of them have any plans to settle down anytime mm. soon. I mean, obviously... I was the only person, the first person I knew to get married and have a child, and I was really, really quite young. And even the way like single mothers are portrayed in rom coms were like you portrayed as like the shrew, the man hater. Mm. Oh, my, like my kid's dad's yeah. an asshole. But I don't know. Like me and Mike talk about getting married and having more children, and I'll probably end up. I wouldn't be surprised if I had another baby before I was like thirty-one. But you don't see that kind of like, and I think that's that's a new thing as well. Like families like breaking up and mm. forming new families with other people with other children Absolutely. I mean it, it, it's never showing and that's, that's what pisses me off because especially the way single mothers are represented I feel in society I feel a lot of shit from people being mm. a single mother who lives at home with her parents and who's a scouser dirty dirty <laughs> scouse single mother <laughs> you know, I, feel, I feel a lot of hate from society and I think people assume that I like Freddie was an accident. They don't, they don't assume that I was married and like yeah. my marriage ended. They don't assume that I've got I'm in a new relationship, which, which is really good. They just look at me and think, single mother, she must be on the dole. None of the other stuff I have done so far in my life matters to some people. All that matters is that I have a child and I'm not married to that child's father anymore. And that is it. And we are literally looked at like scumbags and it pisses me off. That that movie is never going to come out of America. It's it's, it's got no, it won't. country because the, in American society they still paint it as the white picket fence, the perfect family. Uh, what they what they seem to forget is most of the husbands are, are unfaithful to their wives. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's, there's a crucial element with this though, in that it, you've, you've got to look at it from the way studios market films, mm. and that what you've just described them is true to real life. I know people myself, and it would be true in America but it yeah. won't play well it's, to no. a test audience. And no, they, they know that people won't go out to see a film that's a bit too real. The whole idea no. of something like Trainwreck is that it's the dream, isn't it? It's the romantic dream of a you know a self-empowered woman who's you know taking it back for herself, and then she meets a man who can you know convince her she wants you know it's that it's that yeah, kind of it's that path it's that fantasy it's, almost. Whose dream is that though? That that's yeah, the question that's I want to ask. Saying, yeah. I think and it's, it's, like, the, it's, it's surprisingly obviously rom coms are geared towards women. However, I don't believe that's don't, the, mod- the modern woman's dream. That's the man's dream, if anything. I don't know any... The only woman I know who enjoys a rom-com is my mum, and she enjoys, like, the old-fashioned ones. I think what you were saying, Dan, is, like, a film about a single mum wouldn't be American-made. I think it could, it would, like... You could get British filmmakers make something, but I kind of worried that they'd make it really gritty, like, council estate mum with yeah. three kids working yeah, exactly. hard at the chippy, like... <laughs> that's, that's not... I don't feel stereotyped often, but this makes me feel stereotyped, in, especially in the society we live in with, you know, the cracking down on benefits and there's a yeah. big, like, thing in the media about people on benefits. Like, I'm on a few benefits that I get through working, but I still feel like right now 
society's looking at me going, stupid bitch, slag, scumbag, you know? It, but it's, it's all too close to the truth, you know? And yeah. that's why people, they struggle to laugh at something that's too close to the truth quite often. You know, if we get to a point where the benefit issue isn't the problem, you will get some kind of knockabout benefit comedy. But it won't, mm. it won't happen while it's still something that really, really touches a raw nerve. Something like Trainwreck, which is that romantic ideal, you know, technically flipped... If you if you if you think about it in how they would imagine it in a marketing thing, oh, it's about you know an independent woman who's taking back the sex for herself, and she's then going to meet. You know, she's in control of all this, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that at all. But the whole idea is that it may not be particularly representative to a lot of people. It, but it will play well, and it did play well. Obviously, not in yeah. one cinema, but it, you know, it played. It played well, and it did fairly well. And it, sorry, and it got Amy's. It got. You're Amy's, so gonna have to edit that out. Yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah, sorry, sorry to anyone listening. I may not even got that. I may keep it. Um, but it's. Um, yeah, it's just. To be fair, though, in, in fairness to Trainwreck, if it gets people having this conversation, it's done some kind of job. You know, yeah. it hasn't just completely I don't think faded. It will. I, I don't think it will. I think people like us will sit here. I, and I think, I, yeah, work. but I think with with comedy, especially, even if it's got a deeper meaning behind it, I don't think people are going to essentially walk away and say we should talk about this because it's comedy and it's not meant to be taken seriously. And I get that to a certain extent, but obviously. The amount of times I've sat on here and bitched about when Harry met Sally and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just, it's probably the one thing that pisses me off the most because of the situation I'm in and because of the experience I've had. But I just want someone to go out there and just make a real film about real relationships and how they really fucking work so we can stop teaching young girls and even young boys that this is how your life's going to be and it's all going to be easy and yeah, everything's going to work absolutely. out okay in the end. Because sometimes it's not, it's not good and you could well end up on your own and that's not the worst fucking thing in the world the worst thing yeah. in the world is to be a horrible bastard arsehole who makes other people miserable it's not the worst mm. thing in the world to be on your own it's okay so why can't we do that this, this, this got really deep this is now turned into a black hole soapbox <laughs> that's <laughs> the next spin-off podcast um that we'll do <laughs> black hole soapbox so yeah another film but that came okay. out oh, thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. um yeah, another film that came out the same week was um, didn't quite touch us the same kind of nerve. This was um, Paper Towns. The way I figure it, everyone gets a miracle. My miracle was I wound up living across the street from Margot Roth Spiegelman. She was arguably the most gorgeous creature that God had ever created. Margot's life was a series of unbelievably epic adventures. Are you going to spend the rest of high school pining for this girl? As senior year drew to a close, Margo and I were practically strangers. Until this one night. What the? Margo? I need to borrow your car. What? I have nine things I need to do tonight. Can't you just get your boyfriend to do it? Ex-boyfriend. I always keep calling paper towels. <laughs> I think that's funnier. Yeah. Um, Dan, you saw this, didn't you? Uh, yeah, Paper Towns is um, a, a, another book adaptation uh, from the author John Green, uh, the YouTuber and uh, nerd extraordinaire. Um, stars uh, Nat Wolf and Cara Delvine alongside a, a you know a, a teenage cast of uncharismatic bastards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which, quite frankly, kind of sums up the film. You know, Cara, Cara Delby, quite, uh, she's, she's quite uh, engaging. And I'll be interested to see how she gets on with stuff like Suicide Squad and um, those kind of bigger properties. But Nat Wolf is the most uncharismatic, 
nailed lead. I've he's just so fucking boring. It's kind of like it's an Andrew Garfield kind of you know awkward teen kind of you know you could even you know you could put someone like you know like Andrew Garfield or you know like maybe even Logan Lerman who at least is a little bit more engaging. But Natwolf is so boring. Just so monotone. Even when he's trying to be funny, it it just plays across as dull. And I only got through about an hour, I think, of the film before I thought, nah, I've got better things to do. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the, the kind of synopsis of it is is that basically uh, the character of Quentin, played by Nat Wolf, um, has uh, has been in love with this girl for as long as he can remember. Margot, played by uh, Cara Delvine, who's a kind of um, eccentric kind of girl, you know, she's you know she's the most popular girl kind of in school, but it's also because she's different and quirky, and and, and basically oh, she kind of after a, a horrendous breakup where she finds out that her boyfriend, uh, you know, a jock boyfriend is cheating on her with her best friend, she basically goes on this kind of a revenge spree and then disappears, um, and Quentin then kind of. Um, you know, thinking of his dick kind of follows her around the uh, the, <laughs> the place um, and ropes in his his very they're all very strange looking as well. Cara Delvine has got very prominent eyebrows, which she's kind of well known mm. for. Um, then there's Austin Abrahams, I think it is, who plays the kind of friend who I think has a monobrow going on <laughs> for most of the film. And all of the cast just look a little bizarre. They're not quite normal looking, which I, maybe that's kind of part of the point. But um, um, yeah, it's just, I don't think it will hit the same kind of notes that Fault in Our Stars will, yeah, which I, you know, I hold my hands but I haven't seen. Um, but I think obviously the source material of that you know, obviously was able to strike a chord, which I don't think this remotely will. Um, not only that, but Fault, Fault in Our Stars had, you know, a, a, you know, two good leads um, in Shaping Woodley and um, uh, Ansel Elgort, El- 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 I think. Um, Ridiculous they, name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's solo. Yeah, almost. Yeah, um, but basically Nat Wolf seemed to have gotten promoted from playing kind of a, a sidekick in, in that film to kind of you know, becoming the lead un- you know, unfairly in this because he's just bloody useless. I can't see him having much of a career, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, he looked, he looked very dull. I mm, mean, Cara Delevingne is, is one of those people you, you know, you either like her or you don't, I think. she's She's got something to prove yet with the acting. You know, she deserves yeah. a bit more of a chance. But, yeah, I think this is one that will go down as a fairly uninteresting piece of cinema, as will... The, the last film I'm going to talk about tonight, which was re- the last release from la- last weekend. Obviously, we're going to have the Straight Outta Compton um, written review, um, as, I sa- as I said earlier. But uh, the film that came out alongside that was the enormously unremarkable Hitman, Agent 47. Why don't we start with your name? 47. It's not a name. No, but it is mine. What exactly are you? An assassin. And you're here to kill who? You should really let me go. Last time I checked, you're the one locked in here with me, and I'm the one with the gun. No, Mr. Sanders. You're locked in here with me. And you just brought me mine. Do you remember the last one? Do you remember the last Hitman with uh, Timothy 
Timothy Oliphant, Elephant, whatever his name is. I uh, vaguely, vaguely remember, but I didn't see it, no. No, well, you and most other people, I think. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was one of those, it was, it was rubbish. It was, you know, it, it was, the Hitman games are very good. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, back yeah. in the days I used to be a gamer, I'm not really anymore, but back in the days I played a fair few of those and they were great fun, really good. They're all about stealth, ultimately. Yes. The whole idea of Hitman is that he, obviously he's a Hitman, uh, a mysterious assassin called agent 47 who gets missions in all kinds of different places like embassies and he has to he has to get in and get out ideally without anyone knowing he was there to take out targets that are usually ambassadors or generals or all these kind of you know he's, he, he works for a high-end assassin organization in the world called the syndicate and you know that's a great great concept not to this, be confused with Mission Impossible. <laughs> not to be confused with Mission Impossible, no. This film has all the subtlety of a brick tied to an anvil, thrown off a building. It is so just crushingly obvious in every way. Not terrible. In fact, it might even be slightly better than the last Hitman film, but that's damning with fake praise. It's just so obviously plodding and dull and boring and plot is basically the hitman has to find this girl whose dad invented a, a bad weapon and he has to try and kill her but then turns out that it, it seems that zachary quinto is the the, the savior in this and then he turns out to be the bad guy and hitman has to save her even though it makes far more sense that the hitman who is a pretty scary big bald dude right with all these skills should you know in the first funnily enough in, when he's when he's actually seems to be the villain in the first half an hour he's much much better and you really get the sense that he could, if they'd have played that for the whole film, he'd be like this Terminator-style silent killer, and it would have been much, much more entertaining. But no, they have to, they have to start exploring the, 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 the man within, the, the unemotional, tormented clone hitman. You know, Rupert Friend, who was in stuff like the Homeland. Young Victoria Homeland. Yeah, not a bad actor. In I can't fact, imagine him bold though. <laughs> well, the thing is, if, if you put if you put hair on him. In this film, there are, he, and I said this in my written review, he, he would make a decent candidate for the next James Bond because mm. there are there are some very he's very good at the action stuff. I take nothing away from him. He comes out with a bit of dignity, but it's like yeah, you're yawning, Emma. That's how I felt. Right? It was it was that kind of thing, and I was just like, just one of those dull action films that offers nothing new and I'm bored even talking about it it's it's just it's so easy to make a Hitman game a Hitman game would be so easy to make into a movie it boggles the mind why they can't get it right so yeah just don't bother don't bother with that just go and watch go and watch The Man From Uncle and have a laugh go and watch Mission Impossible to see how espionage really works and then, or or Mad Max Fury Road has recently come out on DVD, so buy that. Yes, or buy that on buy it on Blu-ray for goodness' sake. Mm, buy it yes, in the best. Put it on a massive telly. Put the sound mm. up to maximum and blow your face off. That's what you should do. But mm. yeah, so that was the summer. Yeah, we we were kind of at a halfway point now. I, we we kind of brought it up on Twitter, but I thought you made this podcast. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, that's going to work tomorrow. <laughs> but um, but where 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 are we kind of um, you know we kind of mentioned where we would place things already um, you know the, the inside out potentially would be you know in top threes or whatever but you know what we're thinking in terms of top threes at the moment. Well, if you want, I'll give you a top five because using Letterbox like the film nerd I am, I actually man- I actually collate my films. Mm. So um, at number five, Kingsman, the Secret Absolutely. Service. 
brilliant, yeah. Which I thought was great fun. And number four, Fast and Furious 7, and I'm not joking, because that is complete nonsense, but boy, is that entertaining, right? Is that a lot of fun? And it's either that I haven't seen the good films this year, or it's been a weak year for films, because really, that shouldn't be in my top five. No. Really. It's good, but it shouldn't be in my top five. Mm. But it is. At number three, Amy... The Amy Winehouse documentary, which I, I really liked. I thought that was extremely good, extremely well done, and really quite powerful. Uh, number two is Inside Out, uh, as I've said, and number one is still Mad Max, without question. That's the best film of the year. Yeah. Uh, my number five, probably Mission Impossible, Broke Nation, because mm. I, yeah. I had a lot of fun watching that. I, you know, I, I remember going into it thinking, oh, I'll be all right, you know, but it, it, but it, it did impress me. Uh, number four was Inside Out. Uh, number three was Kingsman. Uh, mm. Number two, number two, Mad Max, and number one, that's actually Whiplash. If we can kind of include that, because um, obviously it kind uh, of on, it's kind of on the border there, isn't it? Between it was released yeah. Jan- January in this in the UK, so I'm including it in mine. For me, that's still the film that I still can't quite describe how I felt watching that film. It is I, I don't think I've ever felt any anywhere close to how I felt watching that film it was so it's intense and so brilliant it just terrific, blew yeah. my socks off if that would that would be in, well, that would probably be number two for me if, if it was if I was counting it but yeah 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 amazing how about you Emma have you have you got any kind of tally or I don't think I've seen five fucking films this year to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when she um, was, she just lies <laughs> yeah. I haven't even seen Age of Ultron <laughs> Kingsman is definitely up there. Inside Out. What the fuck else have I seen? An Age of Ultron. Because I, I literally haven't been able to get out to the cinema as much as I want this year. And, Hang on, and, there's one film that you're missing that I know you loved. What, what? is it? I don't know. Fifty Shades what? of Grey. Fuck off! Did you do that to me? Shut up! It's like I've blanked that from my mind. I am... Um, I haven't. I don't know if there's just not been a lot out this year that I really wanted to see, but obviously I have been out over the summer for health reasons and things like that. I really enjoyed Jurassic World as well. I don't give a shit what people say about it on Twitter. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. But what are you guys looking forward to that's coming out in the next couple of weeks? Because I've just been having a look. I really want to see Everest, but mm. I kind of feel like I'll have a panic attack and leave halfway through. <laughs> it just looks. I can't deal with stuff like that. I'm um, to legend. Legends, yes, I want to see Legend. The Martian. Really yes. want to see the yeah, Martian. Damon. Yeah. And Crimson Peak Matt and then Damon. And then I'll Spectre. probably go see Goosebumps as well. Yeah, 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 that that's Stiggles. that's coming out. I'm looking forward to Macbeth as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. I might drag someone to see Macbeth because yeah. I love Fast Spender. Anyway. Mm, Fast and Spectre. Yeah, I forgot Spectre. Spectre's coming out. Yeah. Spectre's my number two of what I'm looking forward to for the rest of this year. I'm also quite looking forward to Black Mass, which is the, the Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. hoping he, he pulls off a kind of resurgence with that, because mm-hmm. I, I think he's naff right now, because he hasn't yeah. made a decent film in years. Um, but that's got an incredible class. I'm a big fan of Joel Edgerton um, ever, ever since, I think, was he in Great Gatsby? Think so. Pretty sure it was, and I think since that I've been really interested to see. And Corey Stoll as well. I'm I'm tempted to do an actor spotlight on him because his like career has just kind of gone from House of Cards, just has kind of you know sent him into stratosphere. You know, obviously he was in Ant Man this year. He did. Uh, he's been doing the Strain. I fucking love Del, the Strain. Yeah, which is a Del Toro series. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 
you know, he's got really he's had a really interesting trajectory. Mm. We've so. got um, the Hateful Eight is on supposedly unlimited release towards the end of the year as well. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, yeah. I expect every single person who comes on this podcast to bum the shit out of the Force Awakens. Mm. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Hateful <laughs> so, Eight we're getting on January the eighth, apparently, oh, wait, according so to current uh, current things. But that might change. I think Creed as well. I'm looking forward to the Rocky, the Rocky one. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm hoping for. But yeah, it's it's all about Star Wars. Once, once yeah. we get to the end of the year, that is I'm just. I'm gonna have I, to go see it just so I can sit here and go, "No, you're wrong," and yeah. I know you're wrong because <laughs> I've actually seen it. It's, it's childish brother. Fucking hate watching. <laughs> I probably come out and go, "Oh my god, it's completely changed me. I'm a Star Wars convert now." Quick, get me an R2D2 tattoo. <laughs> Dog, that's gonna happen, but you never I hope know. So. Be I, give it a, I want to go see it just because everyone else is going to see it. I don't want to be left out, really. No, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to stay in. You've got to stay in with it. But I think we're going to be doing. We're going to be covering most of these films over the next few months. We're going to be doing specials as well on Bond. There'll be a 007 special, which is going to cover all of Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond, yeah. which will be which will be entertaining. We're going to do a Rocky special for Creed, which will be all the Rocky films. Um, so that'll be good fun, talking about Rocky 4. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> mental, that film. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, Adrian! Rocky. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, so, and then we'll have, to end the year off, before we have a little Christmas break, will be, yeah, a Star Wars special, in which a mega podcast in which we will go through all seven, it turns out. Um, I, but I don't yeah. have to be on that one, do I? No, it's fine. Good. <laughs> I've already got, I've already got like seven be... people on it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should be on it just so we can basically piss everyone else off by going, nope, shit. Should we <laughs> just make Star Trek references the whole way through it? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, you're not, not as good as... Do your own one. <laughs> but they won't be lost on them. <laughs> we'll do our own one with Blackjack and Bobby's fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, only, the only other person that chipped in on, on Twitter uh, was Lee Scoville uh, at Porkchop Excess, who uh, said for the hashtag Faye Films 2015, uh, he agreed up with Whitlash and Mad Max. But you would also like to add Tokyo Tribe and uh, It Follows, which obviously was kind of a big breakout horror, wasn't it? Mm. So, of, of earlier this year. So, that'll be, that'll be one to, to catch. There's, there's a few we've. That that we've we've missed and we'll, we'll get to but mm. I think it's um, there's a r- lot of really exciting films to come for the rest of the year and then going into 2016 oh, so next year as well yeah. yeah there's some great there's some great things coming up so it's, it's next Civil War time. Civil War Ghostbusters love big kids we'll be there yeah. <laughs> but um, until then we'll we'll call it a day and we'll be back um, next week um, I'll be in the hosting chair again and uh, until then, um, you can find us on uh, Black Hole Cinema uh, at Twitter and on Facebook at Black Hole Cinema. And you can find uh, the website, um, which is blackholeonline at wordpress.com. We will be getting a, a proper .com at some point and uh, jazzing up the website. But that's where the blog posts come. And Emma does her dead meat blog posts and Dan does his trash talk and various other ones. And I just ramble about anything, really. And we have other guest writers come on. So check us out. We're, uh, we try and get something up there every day. So, uh, Dan, where can we find you on Twitter and stuff? On Twitter, it's at Dan Thomas Taylor. Um, obviously, as you've already said, I do articles on on Black Hole Online as well. So, I'm in and around everywhere. Cool. That sounds vaguely disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah. Emma, what about you? 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at Crushin82, um, and like you said, I write the Dead Meat articles on Black Hole Cinema, and I might, for the next podcast, traumatise myself by watching Child's Play. Um, if you go oh. onto the blog, there's a whole post about how Child's Play actually traumatised me for life and how I haven't seen it yet, and I'm still scared of Chucky. But for our lovely listeners, I might actually watch it. And um, talk about it on the next podcast. I think you've, you've got to do that now. You've got to do we, that. Now we actually you... potentially could could launch a whole new YouTube purely on your reaction videos while watching that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just film yourself I, watching that film. Be brilliant. Even thinking about having to watch it is making me feel a bit sick. Like that's how scared <laughs> I am of this shit. Yeah. Um, but put, yeah, put I a think, camera in the face. Yeah. Just make sure Freddy is very far away. Um, I don't think Freddy would give a shit. Freddy's nails. He's <laughs> he's part of it. He's just he'd be like. Fucking dull, stupid mum. Just what you cry for. But yeah, um, I think I'm on the the 27th, um, yes. and I will be. I'm going to watch Child's Play. Excellent. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Dan and um, Emma will be hosting when I'm not, um, and we're gonna we're gonna rotate as usual. So um, yeah, if you are if you are listening to this and you want to be a guest, um, drop us a message. Um, we're always welcome. We've got some new people coming on, which is very exciting in the next few weeks who've never been on Black Hole Cinema before. So um, that's going to be cool. So yeah, if you uh, if you fancy guesting, um, please let us know, and we'll see what we can do. So um, yeah, this has been a catch up, but we're back. We are back, and we're here to stay until we have another break, um, <laughs> or one of us goes into hospital, or one of us moves house, or uh, <laughs> things like that. Uh, <laughs> so one until of us then, moved in the next Yes, yes. At which point it will be Daniel Daniel Taylor from Tottenham yeah, from Inverness. Yeah, I don't even um, don't even know the internet connection up there. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be fun. God, don't say that to me. Uh, Right, until then, um, we'll see you again. Keep watching them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.